Longhorn Nation, Sooner fans, welcome to the 29th episode of the Boomer Bebo Podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma. Kevin, it's been a minute, but we finally get a week with two wins, one for Oklahoma, one for Texas, and a plethora of amazing games to talk about on this recap episode. Quickly, what was your biggest takeaway from week seven college football yesterday? Man, anything is possible when you step out on that football field. I mean, the scenes in Knoxville, Tennessee yesterday remind us all why we love college football so much. It was amazing. Hey, man, it seeing Josh Heupel there, albeit, I don't know, like maybe 250 pounds heavier than he was in college, but seeing Josh Heupel there, that scene reminded me so much of when Oklahoma beat Nebraska because they had been tormented by Nebraska the entire decade of the 90s. They couldn't beat them. Nebraska was the Alabama, you know, back in the 90s. It just was – it had gotten embarrassing. And to see Tennessee finally overcome that and overcome it in a really spectacular way. I mean, last-second field goal. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, dude. You're absolutely right. I, I love every second of it. I'm so happy for Josh Heupel in Tennessee. They deserve it. I, I picked them. Number one, I picked them. Number two, they're the only team in Orange I root for. But I thought it was fantastic. Uh, across the top 25, Kevin, Michigan remains undefeated against Penn State. Penn State, James Franklin did up as we thought they would and allowed Michigan to run for over 400 yards. Yeah. I mean, dude, it is 2022. What in the world is are you doing letting a team run for 400 yards? Yeah, like it's like 1975. Oh, my gosh. TCU. The big win over Oklahoma State in Fort Worth. Um, I was driving back from soccer, and I was listening to the Cowboys broadcast, and they were in overtime, and they were the, it was a fever pitch for them, right? Because they are just – I mean, it's overtime. They, they Anything can happen. But then TCU gets a first and goal. Uh, they stop them on first and goal. On second and goal, the, the announcer goes uh, – Quarterback takes a snap, handoff up the middle, touchdown, game over. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much describes it for Oklahoma State. Listen, they they're gonna feel pretty upset about this one, right? They, this one they had a big lead with a 24-13 at halftime. But man, the fourth quarter, I think they got outscored 14-0. They had a 17, they had a 17-0 lead in the second quarter for sure. Okay, uh, yeah. I, I listened just to a little bit to their to their post-game show. And they were all on Spencer Sanders. And I'm thinking, I hope Oklahoma fan doesn't sound this stupid when we lose a game because that's your defense. Your defense has to make stops. When an, when an offense gives you the lead on the road, you have to make stops. They didn't do it. They lost. Good good for good for TCU. Um, Undefeated still. The most popular win of the night in, the, uh, in my household, and I think a lot of Sooners households, was USC going down to Utah dramatic fashion? Cam Rising, the quarterback, having ties to Oklahoma, once committed there to play for Lincoln Riley, and then signed and was with y'all for a year at Texas, right? Yeah, flipped to Texas, which is one of the most surprising recruiting things ever. Uh, it, Texas fans, and then and then 
transfers to Utah has had an up and down year. Really, they had some great expectations. He looked bad. He looked bad in that final drive against Florida in the opening week. But I don't care. He looked like a stud on the last drive, picking up a fourth and goal, uh, a fourth and goal to go to uh, bring the game within a point, and then securing the two point conversion. It was fantastic. Side note, Kevin, I the Boomer Bevo Pod Twitter handle has been. We've been in action since I think the end of August. Something like that. Yeah. A couple months. And for those that don't follow us on Twitter at Boomer Bevo Pod, give us a follow. I have put out some really nice nuggets of info and at times got no likes, maybe one like, two likes. And that's fine. I know it's a process. I'm working through it. Apparently, for Sooner Nation, all you have to do is put a picture of Caleb Williams crying and say that he looks like Lincoln Riley did, explaining why he left for USC, and the entire Sooner Nation will like your tweet. There you go. All it takes, man. I was. I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at all these likes. And then it dawned on me that we're seriously, this is like the lowest form of Twitter uh, acknowledgement you can get. It's like, oh, you need some likes? USC sucks. Like, 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 like. Well, hopefully this will help you guys move on for your own sake. Um, they are not out of it. US, USC is not out of it. Not but at all. UCLA needs to take care of business. I'm a big Bruins fan. You know this. I've always been a big Bruins fan. So let's go UCLA. Clemson. Also, real quick. Hold on, sure. Before we, before we move off that. Um, Alex French, man. Defense really struggled yesterday. The speed D. The old speed D. Are you surprised by this? Does it shock you in no, some way? No, but what I'm surprised is you let one guy, a tight end, 16 catches, 234 yards, and a touchdown. Did you ever see us? Did you ever see us play Iowa State? Charlie yeah, Colar. Insert Charlie Kolar. Insert Charlie Charlie Kolar right there. Charlie Kolar never in his life had 16 catches for two. I think he did. I think he did every year. Game. He every year he played OU, he had no, 16 no, catches. No, yes, but 16 catches, 234 yards, and one touchdown to one player. Yeah, Jeez. and that guy was a beast. And uh, that's the least surprising stat I've heard this morning because Alex Grinch and his defense suck. So yeah. I should tweet that out. I bet if I bet if I tweet that out, I bet if I tweet that out, I get fifty likes. Um, yeah, just put speed D with a question mark. <laughs> yeah. Um, Clemson stays undefeated. Although I still don't love Clemson. They just they're in that weak ACC, and they stay undefeated. Ole Miss. A quiet seven and zero, oh, the most, the quietest undefeated team left. Um, my brother calls me and tells me that he's watching game day and Lane Kiffin is being interviewed. Did you see this? I did not. So Lane Kiffin is being interviewed, and they ask him about the Tennessee Alabama game. Now, now, granted, Tennessee fan hates Lane Kiffin. Alabama fan is not far behind in their hate for Lane Kiffin, even though he was like an offensive coordinator and did great for him. And he says, you know, you'd be a fool not to know this game's going on. I, you know, I don't know who who's going to win, but all I'll say is go Vols. And I'm just thinking to myself, Lane Kiffin is the only guy that in two words and only two words control two fan bases at the exact same time. At the same time, yeah. I mean – 
Tennessee fan does not want to hear a word from Lane Kiffin ever. They would be happy if they never heard a word from him. And Bama just, I, I love, I love Lane Kiffin. I hope he keeps winning right now. Oh yeah, he's great for the sport, man. You gotta have guys like that. Uh, Syracuse still are they undefeated? They are. So, I mean, in, in the Dean Dome yesterday, um, my favorite aunt from Kentucky, her Wildcats got a big win against Mississippi State. Mike Leach. You're back in the win column. It's what happens when you get your quarterback back. I don't know, maybe a theme. And then my friend's hot wife who went to Illinois, they got another win, and they'll remain in the top 25. So, Kevin, I don't know. This was just a fantastic weekend of football all around. Yeah, definitely the best week of the season so far. Oh, for sure. And we're starting to see a little bit of a little bit of separation. But all those teams that lost, right? You can't say for a second that USC's out of it, Bama's out of it. I I think for certain we can say Penn State's out of it. Like Penn State is out of it, right? Yeah, you would think so, right? Yeah. I mean, you still have Michigan and Ohio State ahead of them. So, yeah, it, it'll be rough. Oklahoma State still very firmly in the Big 12 race. Right. They were to do some magic. They're still in it. So all the teams that lost, these aren't back-breaking losses for any of them. They lost to good teams, close games. Nobody's going to hold anything over these teams if they continue to win. So nobody's out of it. But, man, it was sure fun to see USC, Alabama, and uh, uh, Oklahoma State go down on the same day. It made for just a yeah, great time. It would have been better for you, for Sooner fans, if Texas would have ended up losing Iowa State. Huh? Dude, I was hoping that was a fumble call. I, I knew you were. Uh, I texted you that I thought it was that I thought it was that his knee was on the ground, but yeah, we'll break it down some more. But as soon as I saw the replay, I'm like, no, not targeting. Yeah. Not let, let's get that out of the way right now. Not targeting, and it was a fumble. So, yeah. Um, if you if you ever, well, I was going to try to make this transition from fumble to Brown O'Haver, and it just wasn't working. So I'm just going to skip. Skip that fancy segue and go right into our uh, ad for Brown O'Haver. <laughs> Brown O'Haver works for the insured, not the insurance company, to process insurance claims. So if you've had a loss to your home, your business, give Brown O'Haver a call, 405-735-5510. Uh, if you're Oklahoma State today and you're feeling bad, that's what it feels like to have your house burned down and lose everything in it. And when that happens, you need somebody to lean on. So you call Brown O'Haver at 405-735-5510. It is boss's day today. And Jessica Isom, our chief operating officer, who is amazing and a boss, is an Oklahoma State fan. So she probably feels a little bit like crap today. And that's okay. So if you, Oklahoma State fan, have had a loss and you don't want to talk to obnoxious John or kind Kevin, give Jessica Isom a call and she will commiserate and then get you paid for your insurance claim. 405-735-5510. Kevin, Texas beats Iowa State. A win that would not have happened last year. It would have been a loss. Not a chance. Not a chance. But this is 2022. Take it away. Well, listen, it was an ugly game, right? There's, there's no way around that. I mean, just give credit to Iowa State, right? I think we all saw what happened in the Cotton Bowl, and then saw that Iowa State was 0-3, and then we're all kind of guilty of thinking, oh, well, Texas should win this game easily, cover the 17-point spread, and they didn't, man. And like I said, give Iowa State credit. They like to run the ball. You know them. They like to run the ball, hit some play-action shots. Well, not yesterday. They had a great game plan on how to attack 
how to attack Texas defense throwing the ball. Texas had two big injuries in the secondary. The corner Ryan Watts got injured, and then safety Jaron Thompson was out for a while. And again, give their coaches credit because they went after their replacements, hit some big plays, converted a crap ton of third downs. Uh, is that is that the most yards y'all been thrown on this year? Three twenty nine. Deckers had three twenty nine you know, on y'all. Um, the Tech quarterback might have had something close to that. Yeah. Donovan Smith that day in, in, in Lubbock. So, but yeah, but you know, I, I give credit to to the coaches. I give credit to Bijan and Roshan Johnson, who did a great job running the football and controlling the clock. And the defense for making that stop in the end there. Like you said earlier, that's a game Texas does not win. Well, they find a way to screw it up. And 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 you, you look at Quinn's stat line, 17-26 for 172 yards, three touchdowns. Um, not the most efficient stat line, but this is the problem when you play Iowa State is they ugly up the game. Yeah, they don't they give sure. you, yeah, they don't give you anything deep. They, they throw those, those very odd, um, defensive schemes at you, especially in the secondary. It's, it's very difficult to have a prolific passing attack against Iowa State. Subsequently, to Sark's credit, he recognized that and went heavy with Bijan, heavy with Roshan. Um, and it looks like Quinn did what he needed to do to win the game, which, yeah, again, in, in the past for Texas is not has not been the case for the last 10 years. Y'all would have figured out a way to lose that game, especially at home, especially after a big win. So I think this is exactly what Texas needs heading into Oklahoma State. Now you get Oklahoma State coming off a of, heartbreaking loss y'all are on a high uh now the question the questions and we'll address more in our in our preview episode the questions are going to be can continue texas continue to live up to the hype and this is another checkbox in the check check in the the, excuse me this is another check in the yes column yes they can continue to live up the hype and i think it's a really good win for Texas, even though the scoreboard doesn't indicate it. Yeah, correct. I completely agree. Again, there was a lot of ugly in there, but it's always good to have things that fix when you come off a win instead of a loss. You know, I'll, I'll take, you know, a, a ugly loss over a pretty win, you know, where we play great offensively, score a ton of points and still end up losing the game. So, yeah, let me ask you, let, and I'm happy about it. Let me ask you this though. Iowa State is moving the ball. Um, and they're picking up fourth downs. They're just moving it right down the field. Did you think you were going to lose the game? I thought Texas was going to lose that game. Oh, I yeah, really, absolutely. absolutely. I can't. First of all, I can't believe Xavier Hutchinson, who was great by the way, missed that deep shot. That's the first time, really, all year that I've seen a coverage breakdown like that. He was wide open. There was nobody within, I don't know, ten yards of him, and for him to, like uh, Robert Griffin said in the comment. Uh, during the broadcast, he for some reason jumped for the ball, didn't need to. Yeah. He landed, the ball just popped out. So poor but, kid, I actually felt bad for him. Uh, but they went right back to him, man. Yeah, they went right back to him. They went right back to him. He picked up that fourth down. They're moving the ball. It did that didn't cost him the game. You know, it's look, I'm I was rooting for Iowa State. This is no secret. But you have to respect it's it's really nice when you when you're watching a team play that is 
always called soft and always called unable to finish and doesn't always make the big play for a dude to come out out of nowhere, lay a hit on the quarterback, a completely legal hit, knock the ball loose and win the game. I mean, that just makes you feel good about your football team that they're willing to put their nose in there and try to make a play versus sitting back and letting a running back or like letting a quarterback who has no business running on, on y'all run all over you. Yeah, I completely agree. Again, it's a, it's a play that's kind of reminiscent of the days of, you know, the 2000s when we had guys like Michael Huff and Michael Griffin who would come up and make plays like that. Well, in a safety position and punish a quarterback for, for running. I was about to be fair. Those were pre-targeting days when dudes would, could just lay somebody out back in the day. But you're right about that. But this guy, he, he missed the helmet. Um, and I don't know. I just I thought Texas I thought I thought they escaped with a win. But at this point in the season, it doesn't matter, man. You get the win and you get the heck out. And, you know, that's what I used to say. I know. Sorry, Sooner fan. But, you know, Lincoln Riley was at OU. You guys went ugly. And to me, that was a great thing. You have a game like Kansas last year on the road. I'm like, hey, it's an ugly, ugly win, right? But at least you won. You'll take that over a loss. Texas would have lost that game in Lawrence. You know what I mean? Over, I know you, you want to win better than that, especially last year because there was something weird going on with OU. But to win games like that, my point of view from it, the Texas fan was like, hey, listen, I'll take that ugly win over a loss. Okay. I, I hear what you're saying, but let's be clear. When you are consistently a double-digit favorite and oftentimes a three-score favorite and you find yourself in a game that you'd have no business being in, you should be up by 21, your starter should be sitting the bench, I disagree with you. A good team has to put those games away and they need to put them away early and not deal with that. Texas is not there yet. This is not the same level that Oklahoma was at for the five years under Lincoln Riley. Under the five years under Lincoln Riley, they were perennially picked to win the Big 12. They were expected to go to the college football playoff and they were losing really stupid games and playing in very tight games to teams they had no business playing in tight games against. These are two different things. So if Oklahoma... This year, with three losses, wins a tight game. Absolutely. I'm happy for the tight win, things to work on, etc. I get you. But back when Oklahoma was doing it, no, man. I don't I don't agree with that at all. We, they, they looked – oh, don't – see, now you got me fired up about it. No wonder people yeah, like the Lincoln Riley tweets. I'll say this, though. Good teams, good programs win games like that, even if you play like crap. You know, Texas didn't – they played hard, right? They never – I never thought that they weren't competing at all. They didn't play well. Sometimes even if you play hard, you don't play well. And to get a win in those circumstances for any team, any team, I'll take it. I think the biggest thing is uh, Sark's commitment to Bijan, though, and Roshan Johnson. Like, just committing to the run game and letting those guys get it. I mean, what did what did Bijan end up having? 165, something like that? Uh, 135 on the ground, but then he had 36 yards receiving. He had him as a receiver, man. I mean, they had him running seam routes. Did you see that one he ran in kind of a back shoulder throw, took a huge hit and still completed it? What is his – what are his pro, pro prospects looking like right now? Surely he's first round, oh, right? Be a first round pick, yeah. Yeah. I Do mean, you, what I'm hearing from scouts is they think he'll come in. Because if you think about it, Texas offensive line has not done a great job of run blocking this year. They've done great in pass protection. But they think when he gets to the NFL that he can be a pro bowl guy. As a rookie, well, to be able to catch the ball like that too, especially in this Mm -hmm. state's NFL, it's uh, 
it's a good spot to be in. Hey, anyway, Texas gets a good win uh, against Iowa State. Now you've got to face Oklahoma State. We'll talk more about it on the recap, especially because Oklahoma is going to go into a bye week, so we have a full episode to talk. But just real quick, you all have a chance against Oklahoma State. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's going to be tough. We've seen this team struggle on the road, right? We've seen them struggle on the road. But, and Oklahoma State's going to be pissed coming off a loss. But, yeah, no, I, I think there's a chance for uh, for Quentin to have a better game. I think he's going to be refocused. And, of course, that running game is going to be there. Running game Texas, be there, so. If Texas wins, they effectively eliminate Oklahoma State from the Big 12. I mean, let's two losses, and both of those losses are going to be to Texas and TCU. So Texas and TCU will have the tiebreakers at this point in the season. I think you effectively eliminate Oklahoma State. So it's a, it's know, a. I, just, I don't think it's. I don't know about that, right? I mean, you still have TCU. You have Texas with one loss so so far in the conference, right? They'll have two, but then who else is after well, that? Texas would have to lose two more though. Yeah. Which they could lose two more, but Oklahoma yeah. State could lose two more too. The point is, especially for TCU, that if if, T, if TCU holds and Texas beats Oklahoma State, TCU might already be in. I mean, it might be really hard for TCU not to be in. Yeah, because TCU is like play- the way this league is going, man. I just feel like there's a lot that's going to happen. That's going to be crazy. It's I love it. Crazy upset still. Speaking of craziness, uh, you and I both picked the University of Kansas to upset Oklahoma, at least on the point spread line, it did not happen. Yeah, Oklahoma, OU to win, though. I do want to say that. I did not pick OU. I did not pick OU to win, and I'm glad they proved me wrong. I I, I still I stand by the pick in the sense that I, I did not see anything from the previous three weeks that were making me feel good about it. But Dylan Gabriel is um, – there's a reason he's the starting quarterback at the University of Oklahoma. He looked really, really good yesterday. Yeah. 29 of 42, 403 passing yards, 9.6 yards per completion, two touchdowns. He does get his first interception on the year, but I'm going to give him a pass for that because I thought he played a fantastic game. Levy called the best game he's called all year, and this includes his games against – it includes his game against Nebraska. I thought this was a better offensive performance against a much better defense. Um. As I've said all year, Kevin, I have been very firm in the conviction that Eric Gray deserves to be the number one guy at OU. I have, from day one, questioned anybody that thought anybody else other than Mark, than Eric Gray should be the starting running back at OU. And I was proven right today when he rushed for 20 carries, 176 yards, 8.8 yards per carry, two touchdowns. I told everybody, Kevin, calm down. Eric Gray is the man. you got to let him go to work. Let Eric cook. He's cooked, and he is fantastic, just like I predicted. You know, we do have receipts, right? I mean, we do. Our listeners can go back to our past episodes and hear your thoughts on Eric Gray. Um, that, that doesn't bother me. Okay. That doesn't bother me. I know my truth, Kevin. Okay. I know my truth, and my truth is that Eric Gray was an absolute stud. I'll tell you what I also liked about Levy's offensive plan. Again, the Texas game, that'll go down in history as one of the worst offensive and defensive game plans that were ever concocted. Maybe that's because they didn't have a quarterback, you know, whatever. But in this game, it was very clear what they wanted to do. 
They targeted Marvin Mims 19 times. You know what they said they want to do? We're going to put the ball in the hands of our best player. And then we are going to make the defense focus on him. And the minute they did that, and the minute Kansas rolled any kind of coverage over to Mims or did anything like that, we beat them with uh, Willis. We beat them with the Oweez. The running backs took care of the game. It was a fantastic game plan offensively. And this is what we've been waiting to see from Jeff Levy. It's what we've been waiting to see from Eric Gray. And it was just a fantastic offensive game plan. You know, it's funny because we talked about that in the recap of the Red River shootout last week. And they couldn't scheme anything to get Marvin Mims the ball. I mean, this guy's the best player on the team from an offensive standpoint. You have to get the ball in his hands one way or the other. One catch, four targets, one catch for minus two yards. I mean, that's completely unacceptable. Right, so it was good to see him. You know, I'm a fan, right? Like, I'm I'm pro player, no matter who they play for. So I'm a fan of Marvin Mims. So I'm not seeing him ball out. You know who he reminds me of, both as a player, and then I saw an interview with him today, or I guess maybe it was last night. He reminds me a lot of Amari Cooper, just like a real, just like a real going to work kind of dude, like just a real steady go to work. You know, he's not C.D. Lamb, right? He's not OBJ. He is a very just kind of I'm I, a quiet confidence. I'm I, yes, I am. I, yes. I happen to be the best player on the team, but I don't have to act like it. I can just go ahead and yeah. show it. Um, so that was really cool to see Braden Willis dude. Listen, that guy was making blocks all over the field. He was making big plays. He continues to be the offensive MVP. Anytime you go for over 700 yards, I, I don't care who you're playing, but when you're playing a top 25 team that only has one loss, that is ginormous. 700 yards after after a week where we couldn't complete a forward pass. Yeah, um, it was 200 last week. So, yeah, it's, it's a great bounce back. A great de- bounce back. Now, defensively, not quite the rosy picture that the yeah, offense. Yeah, no, not, not there yet. Not that the, offense yet gets, that the offense gets to portray. Uh, two things were better. Number one, we had turnovers, which yeah. just – and they weren't even like pick sixes or anything like that. First of all, the one from C.J. Golden – Wow. What an amazing, that was just a great uh, athletic play transfer from Wyoming. Really good athletic play. Uh, Deshaun White finally gets into the uh, uh, turnover game with getting him in an interception. Two turnovers. It just, I know it's, this is going to sound like the most basic rationale of all time. It just eliminated, you just eliminated two chances for Kansas uh, Kansas to score. Yeah. uh Yeah. If you can't stop them like that, as far as, you know, your base defense, yeah, you got to, you got to you got to make something happen, and so that that was positive to see, and especially on the one from CJ Golden, it was just an athletic play. It was just fantastic. Um, we only had one sack, but we did have eight tackles for loss. So we're getting in the backfield. We were a little more disruptive. That was good to see. But good lord, can we get off? It's, this was a theme with the Texas game too. Can we get off the field on third down? I mean, good goodness. They, they drive you crazy. Man, I was going nuts during the Texas game. On the, first, on the first drive, we've got them in third and six, and Jalen Redmond goes offsides, makes it third and one. They pick it up. They go down to score. The second drive, we've got them third and 13 deep in their own territory. And we're thinking, man, we pump, we get this back, we go up two scores. No, they pick up third and 13 with a 26-yard pass. And go down and score another touchdown. Uh, there wasn't any glaring 
there wasn't so many glaring third down pickups after that. There might have been a little, some little ones, but nothing that bad. But it was just right off the bat. What's that? They were five of eleven on third down throughout the game. Um, oh, you though, on the flip side, going back to that offense, sixteen of twenty-one on third down. I, I, that's what I'm telling you, man. Yeah, you'll take that all day. Seven hundred yards of offense, four hundred and three yards passing, two hundred ninety-eight yards rushing. We'll take that all day. And when Oklahoma wasn't giving up third downs, then they decided to give up big plays in the passing game. That was a big thing, yeah. And that's what's going to have to be cleaned up somehow throughout the rest of the season. I don't know how it is, but. The secondary, uh, they just looked. They didn't give up ginormous busts, but they just gave up competitive plays and they gave up, I mean, to allow what is essentially Kansas's backup quarterback. Yes, he's a good player. We established that in the recap. He knows what he's doing. He's a five-year player. I'm not saying the kid wasn't going to have a good game. He's not a bum. But goodness gracious, do we just have to keep giving up? I mean, there were there were plays, there were drives in the second half that were like four-play drives touchdown, three-play drives touchdown. Yeah. You know, last year with Texas, their first year under the new uh, staff, it seemed like there were three levels playing – as just individual units. So you have the D-line, you have the linebackers, and then you have the, the defensive backs. Right. They're almost playing as individual units instead of one cohesive defense. I'm seeing a little bit of that with OU this year. It's not all together yet. It's just not – it's just completely out of sync from one level to the other. There's just too much space for, for wide receivers and tight ends to make plays. That's exactly – Kevin, that's exactly right. It's too much space when we don't get – the pressure on the quarterback relieves the secondary, right? But when we don't get pressure on the quarterback and we put the secondary, so you don't know as a, as an outside observer, you almost don't know whose fault it is on that back end, right? It might not be the back end's fault. It could be the not getting pressure on him, giving him all day to pass. It creates space that otherwise wouldn't be there if the first two levels were doing their job. So I, I don't know where it's coming from, but there were some big plays in the passing game that need to be cleaned up. Hopefully, all expectations are we have Billy Bowman back for the Iowa State game. Uh, this bye week for Oklahoma cannot come at a better time. We're coming off a win. We're back over 500. We remind ourselves that we're not as bad as we think we are. Our offense gets a shot of adrenaline in the arm to say, you guys are actually really good. Listen, you put up 700 yards, you can beat anybody left on the schedule. You can beat anybody left on the schedule. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Now, Will we play better defenses? Yeah, we're going to play starting with Iowa State in two weeks. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. We've seen it from Oklahoma. This is an Oklahoma team that fans can live with. We've lived with this for years. Put points on the board and hang on for dear life on the defensive side of the ball. If that gets us through this year, whatever. I just, you know, get get us bowl eligible and, and let's get some respectability back heading into the next year. But you're completely right. The dysfunction on the defensive side. I don't know if it'll be addressed this year. Maybe it's a talent gap. Maybe it's a scheme. Maybe it's guys not picking up the scheme. Whatever the case may be, it, it's going to continue to be an issue. Um, any other takeaways from week seven, Kevin? Man, like I said, it was just an incredible, incredible weekend of football. It was just nonstop action, man. And this is, I mean, you're a college football fan. It's what you live for to have these kind of weekends. Dude. You know, and I going back to Tennessee, right, and against Alabama, 
they get up to a 28-7 lead, right, in the second quarter. And then Bama storms back, 28-28. And I'm thinking, like, okay, well, they're about to kind of blow it open. For them to stick with it, keep fighting, and pull that game off at the end. Yeah, I couldn't – can't tell you how impressed I was with Josh Heupel and those players from Tennessee. No. Um, it, was, it was great to watch. You feel it was a very – like, you, you got the feeling that it was a very Alabama thing to do, to get down like they did and come back and just break Tennessee's heart. Um, yeah. But you you described the play to me on the on the uh, punt return. I mean, I saw I saw Saban's reaction. I thought he was going to have a coronary on the sidelines. That did not look like Alabama football. It's it's it, it, you wonder if it's just if there's just a. I mean, come on, they have one loss, right? They're a very they just lost to a very good team. I, I'm not picking on Alabama, but is there just a little bit of complacency? Is there just a little bit of that sneaking into the program? It's just interesting to watch because that play has not happened in 12 years at Alabama. No, no. It's just inexplicable for any team to make, but especially a Nick Saban coach team. And the defense. Well, and then you add that, speaking of the defense for Alabama, how do you let Hyatt get through five touchdown catches? Five touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, he's not Michael Crabtree. No. He's a nice player, but you're Alabama. I just think, I think I told you this uh, off air. I think Texas gave a defensive game plan on how to attack Alabama that coaches can look at a blueprint. And now Tennessee's given an offensive game plan for how you beat Alabama, it, uh, especially for a Georgia um, and even an Ole Miss. They're going to see that, and they're going to say to themselves. This is how we can beat Alabama, and it's a very realistic thing. Alabama's still, though, in the driver's seat of the West. They, they do have to play Ole Miss. Uh, I cannot wait till this Tennessee-Georgia matchup. When is that matchup? Oh, yeah. Do you know? Um, I don't. Let me see. November 5th. <clears throat> November 5th. Yeah. Woo. It is at Georgia. I wish it was at, in Knoxville. And Eden Stadium, but man, yeah, big time. Yeah, it's just going to be fantastic. That should be interesting too. Even the week before that. No, Tennessee's got plenty of work to do. I mean, we're not going to we're not going to we're not going to crown them yet or anything. But um, I I I kind of I kind of hope they beat Kentucky so we get a big time matchup. I mean, it's uh, it, it it was a great weekend to be a college football fan. It was great to get a win for OU. I know you were happy for Texas to continue to stay on the win streak. So I, I can't, uh, again, Oklahoma couldn't get a bye week at a better time, but we'll be back midweek to talk Texas, get you ready for a Texas-Oklahoma State matchup. And hopefully we get another great week into college football next weekend. I'm looking forward to it, man. Boomer. Welcome.